0: Good morning, Hillcrest. How are you guys doing today? I know today's a little bit of a different setup. Um, you guys are at home watching this on Facebook or YouTube. Maybe you're listening to it on SoundCloud or something. But uh, we just wanted to come to you guys today and uh, feel, have this feel like as a normal Sunday as it can during this crazy time. If you guys have little communion cups, there's these little pre-packaged ones. You can also get a piece of bread and some grape juice or uh, maybe even grape soda if you have it. You know, you never know. But I wanted to come to you guys today and share uh, Matthew seven twenty four through 27. Let's see. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who has built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. So I know in this crazy world, you know, we're going to have storms in our life. We're going to have times where we can't meet at church because of a pandemic and a weird COVID-19 virus. There's going to be times where we're sick and we can't go to church. There's going to be times where we're tested like we've never been tested before. The storms are going to hit and there's going to be rain and hail, and especially in Texas, there's going to be hail. But I wanted to share with you guys, hear the gospel, live the gospel, remember the words of Christ, live them out, remember why why he gave himself on the cross for my sins and for your sins, to die on the cross so we can be in heaven with him. In this crazy time, we can think about ways of serving him more, whether that's praying for the people affected, praying for the nurses and doctors, it's calling people up, seeing how they're doing during this weird time, it's maybe if you can... Grab a pair of gloves and go get groceries for people and deliver them house to house. That we can get through this. We have Christ. We have the victory still. Jesus is going to win no matter what. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this day, Lord. Thank you for all that you do in our lives. Lord, uh, give us peace during this crazy time, Lord. Help us see that you're still in control, that you are have the victory through all of this. God, whenever the storms come, whenever our houses get beat by rain and hail and well, for whatever else, Lord, we can have it stay strong because you're the rock, our foundation, the cornerstone. Lord, we love you and we thank you. your wonderful name we pray. Amen.
1: Well, good morning uh, to anybody who might be watching this video right now, especially uh, and specifically to those of you who are members of Hillcrest Christian Church. We want to welcome you this morning, uh, whether you're watching on Facebook Live or whether you're tuning in on YouTube or maybe you're just listening to the audio recording somewhere at some point this next week. We want to welcome you, and we're glad that you're listening, tuning in, and worshiping with us. Uh, of course, as we know, because of COVID-19, we can't meet in public together, uh, but we are bringing to you this worship experience from the Hillcrest Christian Church building in McKinney, Texas. Uh, so it's, it's, I think we live in an amazing time that we can still, despite what's going on, despite being quarantined, despite being closed off from the rest of the world, that we can still worship together through and supplement our worship through things like the internet and still literally be connected to one another. And I think that's just a blessing that we have the technology we do today to be able to do something like this. Well, hey, I want to encourage you, if you have your Bible, to open it to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. And um, I just want to reiterate a couple of things that uh, Brendan already spoke about. Uh, but first, I want to say, those of you who uh, are members of Hillcrest Christian Church, this faith family here in McKinney, Texas, if you are in need of anything, whether that be any food items, uh, any toiletries like toilet paper, germ anything like that, please reach out to Brendan, reach out to Mark and Mickey and Glenn or someone um, here at uh, Hillcrest and, and let us know, let us know how we can help. We want to serve you the best way that we can, despite this social distancing and quarantine that we have to abide in. And so 1 Peter chapter 1, um, when I knew that I would be supplementing sermons and, and helping bring this worship experience uh, for this faith family here at Hillcrest, the first book of the Bible that came to my mind was, was 1 Peter chapter 1. So Peter, who is one of Jesus's 12 disciples, he He sat under Jesus' teaching for three years. Uh, Peter was the disciple that Jesus looked at and said, Peter, you are the rock for which I will build my church. And Peter's writing this letter to Christians in the first century, all scattered throughout the region of Asia Minor. And he's writing to these Christians who are under heavy and extreme persecution. This was a time in history for people like you and me, Christians, were under incredible and horrifying persecution. So the Roman Empire had an emperor during this time. His name was Nero. Nero was in power, and it was, it was as if it was Nero's destiny and purpose in life to destroy the church of Jesus Christ. It was a horrifying time to be alive if you were a Christian. Nero went to extreme measures to show his hatred towards people like you and me, people who have believed in the gospel. Just listen, just look and listen to uh, Nero's resume. He had his own mom and wife murdered. He was uh, supposedly, he was the one who actually started the great fire in Rome in AD 64 that burned down the whole city of Rome. And the story goes that Nero, while the whole city of Rome was being burned, he was playing a fiddle. Like Nero was a madman. He was a guy who was not right in his head. And in fact, Nero actually blamed the Christians and put the blame on them for starting this fire, burning down the whole city of Rome. And so because of this, this gave Nero the opportunity to purge Christians greatly. Uh, he had them burned alive for his own entertainment. Uh, he even fed them to lions. And he would place, Nero would literally place Christians in the Colosseum to be eaten and devoured by lions and even killed and slaughtered by gladiators. like, And he did all this for his own enjoyment. He did all this for his own entertainment and pleasure. Uh, Nero was not a good man. Some people say that Nero um, was one of the worst uh, rulers and dictators, uh, men in power throughout human history. And so he was a bad man. And you have to understand, this is important. These are the circumstances. This was the c- season in life that the church of Jesus Christ was living in. And so when Peter writes this letter this is what they're experiencing. They're experiencing heavy persecution like that I don't think we've ever experienced here in America, of course. This is what they're experiencing. You can imagine the worry and the anxiety and the stress. And so when we read through 1 Peter 1, and I also want to encourage you, 1 Peter is only five chapters. You could literally read a chapter a day, Monday through Friday. Be done with this book by Friday. This is a timeless letter because it's the Word of God. But it's also a timely letter because of what we're experiencing as a church and as a nation right now. So imagine, just have this in the back of your mind, what these Christians were experiencing when they're reading these words that are being sent out wherever they were. And so Peter writes, we're going to pick up in verse 3, Peter 1, Peter says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, from the dead. And so, it's interesting. Peter writes this letter, right, to these suffering Christians, and he starts out by by worshiping God. Like, they're under extreme persecution. You would be terrified to even identify yourself as a Christ follower in public. And one of the first things that Peter says in this letter, going out to all of these Christians, is praise be to God. Like, this word praise is a form of worship. And so, Peter is literally worshiping God in the midst of some of the most difficult times in the history of our church. He worships God. Look, I don't know what you're feeling right now. I don't know what you're thinking in this moment, wherever you are. Maybe you're in your living room. I don't know uh, what your current status is exactly um, while we're all dealing with this COVID-19. I'm not sure if you have enough toilet paper or you don't have enough toilet paper, I don't know how much food you have in your pantry. I I honestly don't know if you feel prepared for this or not. But here's what I do know. Our God is still worthy of our praise. Our God is still worthy of our worship. Yes, even in the middle of a storm, even in the middle of uncertainty, with more uncertainty um, in our near future, God, our Father in heaven, can still be worshiped and exalted in the highest place in our lives. Like the overflow of our heart right now can still be praise and worship to our God. I love what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter six, he says in verse one, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated upon a throne high and lifted up. One thing you need to know about King Uzziah is he was the king over the nation of Israel for 50 years two years. Can you imagine a leader, a ruler of a nation remaining in power for five decades? Like we're used to eight years at most, uh, the leader of our nation being in power and being the leader of our country, eight years at most. But for most people in in the nation of Israel at this time, the only king that they've ever known, the only leadership that they've sat under, the, the only thing they've ever known in terms of policies and politics was from King Uzziah. Five decades, the way he led the way he dictated, the way he ruled, that's all they ever knew. And now he's dead, Isaiah tells us. After 52 years in power, can you imagine the uncertainty that the nation of Israel was going was to be facing at this time? Now think about this for you and for me today. It's, it's because it's the exact same. One leader, one president transitions out of office and another one replaces him. And at the same time, there's a shift in politics, a change in policies. A whole nation is affected. Yet Isaiah says in Isaiah 6, As a major shift in political power is coming, I saw the Lord seated upon his throne, high and lifted up. Look, here's the truth. Kings come and go. Political powers transition out. New ones come in. Yet one thing never changes. Our God sits on his throne, sovereign over all things. Like, our God is unfazed by worldwide pandemics. Our God is, he isn't surprised. He isn't caught off guard. He's right where he needs to be exalted in the highest place. Look, church, in the middle of uncertainty, even in a worldwide pandemic that we are currently in, even when the government shuts down, even when the stock market crashes, uh, when financial financial stability seems uh, hopeless in this season, you can be certain of this. Our God reigns, and we believe that, and Peter believes that, and that's why he's starting out this letter, worshiping God. Look, God is not in some far-off distant place. He's not absent in this time, in this moment of history, in the most crucial time in our nation right now. He isn't looking down on you and me and not acknowledging us and our suffering and our trials and this uncertainty. He's not distant. He's not uh, ignoring our prayers. Like God is hearing our prayers. He's hearing our cries. And maybe some of you need to hear this right now, like literally right where you're sitting. If you are in Christ, God is near right now to you. In fact, our God is as close as a whisper. I love what David says in Psalm 34, verse 1. He says this, I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Look, maybe you just need to take a moment right now where you're sitting and just remember that the Lord is good, that God is seated on high upon a throne, sovereign over all things. And you just need to take a moment. Maybe it's with you and your spouse. Maybe it's with your entire family in your living room right now. You just need to take a moment. You can even pause this video and just begin to worship God. Like Let the overflow of your heart right now in this moment in history be praise and worship to the God who reigns over all things things. Our God is worthy of our worship. In these times of uncertainty and trials and suffering, our God is worthy of our worship. And so here, maybe you're asking this question, how, Nate? How how can God be worthy of my worship and worthy of my praise right now? Like, people are dying by the hundreds and even the thousands right now over in Italy. In fact, they're telling us that what we're seeing on the news is that we're like a week or so behind what Italy has been experiencing. And if that's true, that could mean a lot more difficult days ahead for us as a nation. And as of now, the virus has no vaccine. And so there's just so much unknown. We are, we are literally in uncharted waters right now. And I'm just supposed to worship God and have faith? Like, are you kidding me? Here's the answer to that question. Yes. If you are in Christ, yes, you, you should be worshiping and praising God like never before. And here's why. Here's why. Peter says, "'Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ,' In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So, you, if you're asking, how can God be praised in the midst of suffering and trials and so much uncertainty? Because of what he's done for us, because of what God has done for us. Look, Peter is saying we have been given a new birth, a new birth into a living hope. But what is this new birth that Peter is referring to? Well, the Bible talks about how the entire human race, that's you, that's me, that's all people throughout all of history, the entire human race are people like you and me being born into a world already condemned by God. Look, the Bible says, Scripture tells us we are all sinners, fallen short of the glory of God. Nobody, I repeat, nobody is immune to sin. It's the nature of a fallen world. If you go back all the way to Genesis chapter 3, if you remember this story, Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with God. There was no sin and there were no problems. There was no evil. There was no wickedness. There was no every man for themselves mentality. People weren't hoarding hand sanitizers and food items like it was a worldwide pandemic. In fact, this is so bizarre. I, I never would have guessed this. I don't think anybody could have guessed this. The number one item that is the hardest thing to get right now. in every store is toilet paper. Like, who would have thought that toilet paper would be the hardest thing to get our hands on right now? Like, what, what a good time and a moment in history to be constipated, amen? <laughs> toilet paper is so extremely hard to get, which makes no sense at all. But in all seriousness, when God created the world and placed humans in it, everything was perfect. Everything was perfect. Until it wasn't. Because the great deceiver came. We know him as Satan, the devil. He deceived Adam and Eve, and they rebelled against God. And they did the one thing. Adam and Eve did the one thing that God commanded them not to do. And literally all hell broke loose. Sin entered into the cosmos. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. A relationship with God was shattered. And the enemy now had a foothold on mankind. But... Throughout generations, going back all the way to the Old Testament, into the New Testament, and all the way up until 2020, our God, the God of the Bible, has proven faithful to his people. And as true as this is, God's people has, have also proved to be rebellious. Like sin and idolatry were always entertained among God's people go all the way back to Genesis. Sin and idolatry, the worship of other gods, entertaining the things of this world has always been a problem with the people of God throughout history. And so a promise that was made all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 continued to carry out throughout all generations that God would send a Savior, one who would take on the sins of the world, a sacrifice that would be made for all mankind the punishment of sin and death would fall on the shoulders of this savior one who who would in the words of the prophet isaiah he was pierced for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities the punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed this promise of a savior is who we know as, as the person of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, who the Bible says, whoever believes in the son of God is given new life in his name. Look, this is the new birth that Peter is talking about. This is the new birth that Peter is referring to here in First Peter chapter 1. He's saying, look, when you put your faith and your trust in God's son, the savior of the world, You become a completely new person. You are literally a new creation, the Bible talks about. I love what Galatians 2 verse 20 says, The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So now you have the Spirit of God, literally the Spirit of the living God dwelling inside you has caused you to be a brand new person, a brand new creation. You are literally, what Peter is describing, reborn into a living body. Hope, and Peter would actually use this language again in, in verse twenty three of chapter one, he would say, "For you have been born again, not of perishable seed but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God so this this word right here this this the, the living word, the the word of God that we have right here that you have in your hands, it's alive, and it has the power to save even the worst of sinners. the Bible says the Bible says Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of God. And so we worship God because we're born again. Now, I know that this term born again is some really strange language. It's really an awkward set of words. It's honestly the kind of language that kind of seems cultish. You just kind of want to run from these words, born again. I remember a few years after I became a Christian, I was sharing the gospel with everyone I could. I was telling everybody my testimony of how Jesus changed my life and I was having lunch with a guy I worked with, his name was JJ, I'll never forget this moment. We were having hamburgers and I just I didn't really know exactly how to share my story, but I remember reading in John chapter three, which we'll get to here in a second. And I used these words, this terminology, born again. I told JJ, I I, I don't know how else to explain it to you. I've just been born again. And you should have seen his face. He was literally in mid bite of a hamburger and his eyes got so bug eyed. They were so big I thought they were gonna fall out of his head. It was just crazy. He just couldn't believe it. But this idea, this terminology, born again, it's a strange kind of set of words that we kind of cringe when we hear. At least if you're a non-believer, you do. Um, But born again, even Jesus himself touches on these two words, born again. Look with me back in John chapter 3. Peter has this conversation, this dialogue, with this religious teacher and Pharisee named Nicodemus. And this statement, born again, comes up. In fact, this conversation is actually, between Nicodemus and, and Jesus, this conversation actually comes up in the very same passage that one of the most well-known, easily memorized verses in all of Scripture, whether you're a Christian or you're a non-Christian, actually comes up. John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And so in this very same passage, just uh, many verses before, Nicodemus, this Pharisee, this religious teacher, the very guy who teaches the word of God, the Bible in their day, looks at Jesus and says, Look, how can one be born again? Does he have to go back into his mother's womb? How is that possible? And Jesus looks at him and says, Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot see the kingdom of God. Look, I love what Nicodemus says uh, for a couple of reasons. One, when I first read this, I thought, and and this is just me personally, I, I believe that Nicodemus was asking one of the most stupid questions in all of human history. How can a man, a grown man, go back into his mother's womb? Obviously, physically impossible, but... A guy like Nicodemus, who was the teacher of the scriptures, one who was teaching the word of God, he had the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, completely memorized. And he looks at Jesus, this carpenter, and says, look, how can a man actually go back into his mother's womb? And I personally thought, man, this is the stupidest question I've ever heard in my life. Until... A couple of years ago, I heard a pastor that I really admire. He's a guy who leads a church of thousands. He's been teaching and preaching at this church for over two decades. So he's been studying God's word for many, many, many years. And he was preaching this text in John 3 and this dialogue, this conversation between uh, Jesus and Nicodemus. He says, when Nicodemus asks this question, he says, it was a great question. He says, Nicodemus was asking Jesus a great question. Here's what I think. I honestly don't know if this is a stupid question or a really, really great question. I really don't know. But the point here is clear. The teacher of the scriptures, the man Nicodemus, is completely and utterly confused by this language that Jesus is talking about being born again. Being born again. He he has no idea what he is talking about. But here's the deal. We, as people born into this world, already condemned by God, are enemies Against God. The Bible says that we are enemies against God, living in rebellion against God, dead in our trespasses and sins. But Peter writes, But God, in his great mercy, is what Peter is saying in verse three, sent his son Jesus Christ into the world to be that sacrifice needed. He died on the cross, Jesus did, for the sins of the world. And John three sixteen says, Whoever believes in him will have eternal life will be forgiven of all sin. Just in a moment of belief, all sins washed away, forgiven when you trust in Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. And so what Jesus shared with Nicodemus is exactly what Peter is reminding of us in this letter. The only way to eternal life, the only way to inherit salvation of your soul is by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, then that means you have been born again Peter writes in verse 23, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Look, here's the truth. Here's what scripture, the Bible teaches us. Your salvation in Jesus Christ, it can't be handed down to you from generation to generation. Like your faith in Jesus, it cannot be handed down to you by your own family. If you were raised in the church, like if your family raised you in the church from a young age, I think that's great. I think that's biblical. But being raised in the church, it does not actually save you from your sins. It's an awesome thing, honestly, for you to be raised in the church and and for us to be raising our kids in the church. That is biblical. We want to do that. But our eternal salvation can only be found in the person and work of Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross. It has to be your own faith. You personally have to trust in Jesus and believe in the gospel. That's how you are saved. Nobody, nobody but God alone can grant eternal life. And so Peter right now is only reiterating what Jesus already spoke about when he said in John 14, verse six, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And Peter says, look, it's because of God and his great mercy on you, on me, on all people, on all sinners throughout history that God has given us this new birth into a living Hope. Well, this is exactly why Peter is worshiping God through a season of great uncertainty and a season of great suffering. Christians, because of this new birth into a living hope, we have hope. Christian, be reminded that even in the middle of this trial, even in the middle of, of this storm, even in the middle of, of great uncertainty, even in the middle of a, of a worldwide virus called coronavirus, when we really don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow, we have hope. We don't worship a dead Savior. We worship a risen Savior, one who has conquered sin and death for all time, one who is faithful to keep all of his promises. Our God is above all. Our God is above COVID-19. COVID-19 is not in control. Our God is in control. And if Jesus, listen to this, if Jesus is your living hope, if you are a believer, if you are a follower of Christ, if Christ lives in you, and if Jesus is your living hope, then Jesus is your peace right now in this season. He is your peace right now in this season. Look, in a time of a, of a worldwide pandemic, people are panicking. All over the world, people are panicking. They're living in fear and preparing themselves for the worst of times, or so it seems. People are hoarding items and, and buying water and, and toilet paper as if the world is coming to an end. And right now, like in this moment in history, the church, the church of Jesus Christ needs to be doing the exact opposite. We have a living hope. Like We we do need to be adhering to our government. We need to be uh, adhering to our local authorities, and we need to keep within the guidelines of of the White House and what they're saying. And yeah, we do need to be careful and and still keep uh, uh, keep in line with social distancing and keep that to a bare minimum, but but we cannot live in panic and we cannot live in fear, not as the church of Jesus Christ. Like this is not all there is for us. As the church, we need to rise up and be a beacon of hope for the world that really needs hope right now. Like we, we've got to let our light shine. Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good needs and glorify your father in heaven. Church, we have got to let our light shine. We need to love other people. We get it. We, we do need certain items. We do need Germex. We do need Clorox wipes, toilet paper, food. Like, we need these things. These things are essential, but it's not the end-all, be-all type thing. We need to care about other people in any way we can. We need to love other people. We do need these items, but we cannot be hoarding these items. And we also, most importantly, we cannot live in fear. Remember, Peter writes to a church that is heavily, I mean heavily persecuted and greatly opposed and hated by the Roman Empire. And in the midst of a dark and seemingly hopeless season of life for these Christians, Peter says, hey, look, remember the cross that set you free. Remember the cross that set you free. Acknowledge the hope you have and know that this is not all there is in life. Like Peter says, look, you and I, we can worship God, We can sing praises to his name despite our current circumstances. Like literally despite our situation right now, we can still lift up praises to our God. Why? Because he has gifted us. He has given us this new birth into a living hope through Jesus Christ and the resurrection of the dead. Peter would go on. In verse 4, and he would say, look, Jesus has gifted us with eternal life through the resurrection of the dead. And he goes on in verse 4, and he says, And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Look, I don't know if you saw this. You probably did. But there was this guy in, in Tennessee who literally stockpiled over 17 1, bottles of sanitizer. Crazy. Just craziness. And then he tried to sell them all on, on Amazon and eBay at a marked up price. Um, while the nation is literally in panic and fear searching for these very things like hand sanitizer, this guy is literally sitting on a mountaintop of hand sanitizers and posts a picture of himself. And so eBay and Amazon caught wind of this and they suspended his account. Like, come on, the whole world is in panic. The whole nation is going to stores looking for these very items. And this guy has placed these very items on Amazon, on eBay at a marked up price. When a nation is in panic, we need to be united, not just as, as the church, but as a nation. And this guy is trying to gain profit off of it. And so Amazon, eBay, they catch wind of this. They suspend his account. And he even gets charged with an offense. I mean, he's, he's literally being charged with this. And so what happens is he catches so much backlash. He gets emails of hate. He gets messages of hate towards other people. And so he ends up actually donating all of it to the church in the local the local state there in Tennessee. He ends up actually donating it and giving it all away. But I bet you this person feels extremely bad for what he did. Look, get what you need. Like... This is, this is important. You need certain items. You need food. You need toilet paper. Those are important things, and we do need those. And if you don't have some of these things, please, again, reach out to someone, and we'll help you. We will serve you the best way we can to get you these essential items. But don't store these items in excess, as if this life is all there is. Like Peter says, we have a hope greater than anything in the world. So these are things, if you think about it, these are things, these are items that are, that are ultimately perishable Like, think about this. Your life on this earth is short. It's just but a fraction of eternity. The things we spend our time on, the things we spend our money on, like social media and Netflix, like you can't carry these things into eternity. Your house, your wealth, your 401k, your savings account, your car, even the clothes on your back, all perishable and will all pass away. But Peter says in the word of God, he says to you, to me, those who are followers of Jesus Christ, We have an inheritance that will never pass away. Like this earth will pass away, but our inheritance, our eternal life will never pass away. Your eternal salvation is sealed. It's sealed by God's Spirit and kept until the last day when Jesus Christ returns. When all things come to an end, your inheritance is kept in heaven for you. This is why we can still worship our God in times of uncertainty and in times of suffering and in times of great trials. Like right now in this season of life, we have every reason to fix our eyes on the God who has granted us eternal life in his son, Jesus Christ. Like we can still worship him and we can still even, Peter goes on, rejoice even in times of suffering because of what God has gifted us in the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross. In verse 5, Peter says, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. You know, these really are interesting times as we all know at this point. We're living in a time where our nation needs to come together and be unified and not going against each other, not hoarding items in excess as if this is end of days. We're living in a time where where our churches can't even meet in buildings. Like these are unprecedented times. Yet the church isn't a building though, right? We know that. The church is a people. And in fact, right now, right now in this moment in time, all across the world, the church of Jesus Christ actually looks more like the church that uh, Peter is writing to than maybe ever before. If you go back all the way to verse 1 of chapter 1, Peter says this, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout all of these different places and cities and regions of Asia Minor. Peter says, look, to God's chosen, strangers in the world, scattered throughout all of Asia Minor. That's us right now. We are in different living rooms all across America, all across the world, scattered in different homes, in different living rooms right now. And Peter says, look, here's the truth. Before God spoke the universe into existence, he chose you. If you are in Christ, God has chosen you. He has set you apart. He has called you into his family. You didn't choose God. God chose you. And right now in our nation, we are just like these Christians in some ways that Peter is writing to. We are strangers in this world. Like in McKinney, in in America, and all across the world, this isn't our home. Like we are just foreigners in a, in a foreign place, just travelers passing through, living on this earth, but for a short time. This isn't our home. We, the the New Testament uses language all the time, saying, "Look, fix your eyes on things above, where Christ is." Like this is not our home. Our home is in heaven, and there we await a Savior. Like this is terminology. This is language that is spoken a lot in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul talks about it all the time. Look, our, our time on earth is short, but our home, our eternal state, 10,000 years from now, we will be in the presence of our God and we will not have a thought about COVID-19. And so we right now, as the church was in First in Peter 2,000 years ago, scattered throughout living rooms across America and across the world. But here's what we know. Our God is not shaken and we as the church are not shaken either. We're not moved by science. We're not moved by persecution. We're not moved by suffering. We serve a God who is above all and can do all things. He can do the impossible. And so what we need to do as the church is we need to thrive in this season as the body of Christ, because we know that we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. And so Peter says, look, rejoice in your suffering, Christian. Because God's grace has gifted you with eternal salvation that is kept for you in heaven and ready to be revealed in the last day. Here, I want to end with this thought. You know, some people are genuinely, genuinely concerned. um, Could this really be the end of times? Could this really be the end of days? I've heard stories of people online and even people in my own life having these conversations. Look, is this really the end times? Could Jesus come back at any moment? And here's the truth, Jesus could come back at any moment. That's been the same for 2000 years. Jesus could come back at any moment. In fact, when Peter's writing this letter, if you look in, in chapter four, verse seven, look what Peter says, the end of all things is near. Even Peter himself, even these Christians receiving this letter thought, man, the end could be near at any moment, but we don't know when Jesus is coming. Only God the Father knows the day and the hour that Jesus will return. And Peter says, the end of things is all near. Peter certainly thought Jesus could have come back at any moment. And yet, yeah, may that be the truth, but we should not be living in fear. I don't know, honestly, if this is the end of times. I honestly, I, I, I just don't know. But what if it really was? What if this really was the end of days? What if we knew that tomorrow at 12 o'clock in the afternoon, the end of days would come and Jesus would return and he would lift up those who are in Christ, those who have believed in the gospel, those who have trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior. What if we really did know that the end was near? What if we knew that? Here's my question for you. Are you born again? Have you been given a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Are you a Christian? Look, if you are a Christian, if you are in Christ and trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you believe that he is a sovereign God of the universe, then you have a living hope right now in this season of life. But I want to ask for those who aren't. If you do not know, if you are not sure that Jesus lives in you, if the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you and you are a follower of Christ, if you are not sure about that, I want you to text me at 817 817- 5130350 and I'm serious I would love to have a conversation with you it might be from Zoom it might be from you know the internet but we can talk about this because what if the end times was really near are you born again that's the question that everybody's going to be wondering, are we born again? Are we saved? Is our eternity sealed by the blood of Jesus? And so, look, I just want to take a moment. I want to pray. I want you to mull over what we've talked about. And I want you to go through 1 Peter this week and read a chapter a day and understand the words that Peter is writing. They mean something to us in two thousand. And twenty, And so let me pray for you. Father, I just thank you for your word. I thank you that is, it's timeless and that it's even timely right now with what we're dealing with in our world. But God, we know that we can trust in a Savior who is not dead but alive. Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. He has conquered sin and death for all time. And the Bible is clear. Those who believe and trust in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We will be granted eternal life. And God, your word says and declares to us today in two thousand twenty that we have an inheritance waiting for us that can't be spoiled, it it can't fade, It, it can't be taken or swept out from under us. It is an eternal promise made by you, God, our heavenly Father. And Father, I pray for anyone who might be watching this video. Father, if they are not born again, if they do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior, Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would reach them in a way that they can understand the simplicity of the gospel, but also the profound meaning it has in this season and in these times. Father, we trust you. We know that you are sovereign and good and that you are with and near your people. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray, amen.